Hello. If you're listening to this, you are planning on listening to the episode Aria 10 in A Clash of Kings by Girls Gone Canon. But today I'm here because I regret to inform you the entire podcast has been canceled. It's over. Eliana in the last episode unfortunately did not say, Are you ready? Uh, This is a very key factor to every single one of these episodes. I have done what needed to be done behind the scenes. I've worked with everyone on what works for us, and we've decided to fire Eliana. It is official. So thank you very much for your five long years of listenership, of dedication. I know we were, oh, you know, only five POVs away from the end, but you know, justice needed to be served for Eliana's crimes against huge manatee. Hello, and welcome to Girls Gone Canon Reads, a Song of Ice and Fire, episode 207, Aria 10, in A Clash of Kings. I am the only one of your hosts, Chloe. No, I'm absolutely just kidding. I'm one of your hosts, Chloe. Okay, fine. And I'm another one of your hosts, Eliana. I would like to apologize for the lack of action last week, the lack of living up to responsibilities. There was... (laughs) Oh my god. I think my identity is stolen. It was a faceless man acting posing as me. I was impersonated. (laughs) Just like Pate in Feast who says that he hates being called like the pig boy and then says he's Pate like the pig boy. That's what happened to me, but it's okay. I killed whoever took my face and took my face back. Yeah, I think uh, the pro. I don't know. I think you're the problem. Is honestly, I am, it. I am the problem. It's uh, me. Uh, for real, we did uh, get several comments from fans and friends that noted that you did not say "Are you ready?" and you have been traditionally known to say it. I've saved you once before. She you has. all, you don't get to hear the magic behind the curtain. But I saved her once. This time, I could not save her. She had to save herself. I did not. Yeah, you did not save yourself. But you were nervous. You were nervous. We had a really great I guest. I was nervous, and therefore, I was not ready. <laughs> I was not ready. But hopefully this week, you know, this week I'm trying to be, and I want to make sure for all of you, are you ready? to end this book of Arya and for me to try to atone for my sins I reread the the meeting between Davos and Edric Storm for some fucking reason earlier and he was like yeah he took off my fingers but he left me my thumb and Edric like stops and thinks for a moment he's like I don't think he should have taken any of your fingers (laughs) (laughs) but I, I I understand that if boy some King. of you would like to take some of my fingers for this crime. Wow. Um, justice, as Chloe said, justice must be served. <laughs> oh my god. I'm... Stannis is the most just man that I know. Wow. Wow. I'm not going to comment on that. I'm going to gloss right over that one. It's good to have you back, Eliana. Negotiations were absolutely done behind the scene to rehire you after your misgivings because we believe in forgiveness here at this podcast. Wow. Ladies, gays, and theys. 
<laughs> we actually, we do. We really do. We're softer than we sound way deep down, right? Like soft, like Tootsie Roll Pop. That's a, that's a post-Halloween reference for all you out there celebrating Halloween recently. We're going to hop right over to housekeeping real quick, cover a couple items before we jump into emails and tweets of note, because we have tons of emails to talk about today. Comments from Patreon, actually. We do. But first, if you haven't already, and you're a patron in the $5 and up, Stranger Tier and above, you should check out last month's Patreon episode, The House That Went Away, all about House Went in Harrenhal, and this month's episode... We're going to be finalizing that very soon. I think it's going to be a George R.R. Martin short story. We'll let you know what to sharpen up on, what to read this month. And of course, we will be having our Discord brunch slash happy hour. Brappy hour, as Eliana would say. I would not say it. That's going to be on November 19th, Sunday at 3 p.m. ET for patrons in the Thunder tier above. $10 and up. This one does have a theme. It has a theme. This theme is bring your own meme because recently it came to my attention. Eliana doesn't know as many memes as I think or we think that she knows everyone. This has become a very big theme in our life. So if you're a Discord patron over in that Thunder tier, get ready to come to brunch. Bring your favorite meme. We're going to educate the shit out of her. Yeah, I can't believe this. You know, not only was I just fired and rehired, all these people are doing this thing for me after I have <laughs> failed them. Wow. Thank you, everyone. This is the new thief. Oh my god. Do you feel like a man right I, now? I think so. I think this is what it feels right. Men Gone Canon. We're changing the podcast name. It's Men Gone, men gone Canon. canon. Yeah, we haven't done, like, a potluck-style brunch on on Girls Gone Canon in a while. Sorry, Men Gone Canon in a while. And, you know, asking people to put together a presentation. This one, I mean, this one's, I think, much more low effort. It's kind of fun. Maybe some people will bond over a shared meme. Mm, Mmm, mmm. Yeah. That would be very fun. Yeah. We'll start giving out, like, sun, moon, rising based on your memes. It could be really fun. Oh, wait, yeah, people do do that on those accounts. This is gonna be fun. I'm Look excited. At all the fun we're having. Look at it. And that's my favorite. There's more fun. Like there's more fun to come. But first you should head over to patreon.com slash girls gone canon and check out our Patreon, C A N O N. Hey, we are patron ambassadors, creator ambassadors with Patreon. We take that role so seriously here on that podcast. So come join us on Patreon. It's a very fun community. We have too much fun with these folks. Yeah. And you know what's fun we've been getting some interesting patreon comments lately and i've been weaving them into our emails and tweets (laughs) of note so these two came in today and so first of all one of one of them one of the people in this conversation thunderclap thank you for pointing out my crimes against huge manatee you are right i should be punished you didn't say that at all (laughs) but if you felt it, it's true. So anyways, emails and tweets of note. Patron Paulus asked us in a, in a recent episode at 4610, what does Chloe mean by Dantasi? <laughs> and Thunderclap explained Dantas Hollard is Sansa's Jockin Hagar Dantasi. And we'll, we'll get to this in a second, but I will say, you know, Jockin put his whole Jockin Hagasi 
This is how this is the proper usage of this. I want to correct that Aussie was way back in the early aughts slang. Yeah, right. LGBTQIA slang. So in the form bussy, which means boy, pussy. That is what that stands for. Eliana is drinking a Celsius right now, sponsor us. And I thought she was going to spit it out as I said, boy, pussy. But that that boy pussy. Yeah. It's been popularized since then, late 2010s, early 2020s, on social media, TikTok, et cetera, et cetera, Twitter. It's gotten out of hand. The Aussies have gotten out of hand, out of cunt. I don't know what you want to go with, but it's it's out of pocket, for sure. It's a suffix. You could just add it to shit, right? Like Dantussy, Jacussy. We were definitely referring to Jack and Hagar and Dantos Hollard's boy pussies. They're Jacussy and they're Dantussy here. Yes, but it's not only limited to boy pussy, which now that I realize it, it, bussy, I think actually might not have any overlap with the term bussin, which is another popular slang term, in case you were curious. <laughs> we might not only know all the memes here, but we do know some of the mm-hmm. some of the language. So, yeah. The, the lingo. lingo. Yeah. Bussing. Yeah. And bussing, like, to be fair, it really means taste, like tasty, right? Like something's really extremely great or it's tasty, but not to be outdone, the act of transporting by bus or transporting children to school by bus in a residential area as a means of achieving balance, you know, bussing. Yeah, bussing. They're different, but but the same. But yeah, it does not only have to be about boy pussy. The suffix can be added on to other things, for example... (laughs) What, what are some other examples of uh, things you said? I don't know. Aswa fussy. Aswa fussy. Uh, that sounds like something mm-hmm. we might have said at one point in our lives. Probably. <laughs> Realistically, we're also talking about Aswa's boy uh, pussy is there. That, is that yeah. how that works? Okay, yeah. so yes, that's how that works. It's... I just... Ussy. Ussy. Yeah. It's unfortunately one of those slang things that's reached popularity and can be used by assholes like us. So, you know, it it probably should be stopped. Maybe we should be canceled again next episode. I don't know. We're working on it, guys. But thank you for helping each other out in the Patreon comments. That was special to me. As I saw these come in, I was like, Chloe, are you seeing this this camaraderie? (laughs) I saw Thunderclap get in there to explain it. And I was like, bless his heart. Uh, Bless his heart. But I will say in regards to slang... Chloe did, in fact, use out-of-pocket correctly. Thank you. You'll sometimes hear people use the term out-of-pocket at work, and they are not using that slang term correctly. Let me tell you, but Chloe did. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'm good at colloquialisms, idioms, you know, that's about it. That's it. Yeah. Colloquialism? So- hmm. Thank you for coming to Girls right. Gone Canon for your uh, cultural studies. Uh... I think we're going to stick with the name Girls Gone Canon. <laughs> men, you know. We started making too much money when we started going by Men Gone Canon, so we've changed it back. Uh. All right. We got an email. We're getting serious now, so get fucking serious. Buckle up. Stop the jokes. Stop laughing. The fun's over. We're back to serious time. We got an email from our friend Will, and he had a wild idea. This is actually interesting. If you've Watch The Bad Show. There was an ending for Arya Stark where she explores and sails away west, yada yada. It's been out for a long time. You should probably have read this on the internet by now, even if you haven't watched it. Will proposed that he sees Jerian, Jerian Lannister, as a mirror of Arya without that grounding in magic, right, that we know of. I'm serious. Maybe we don't know. 
both Jerian and Arya struggle with identity and attachment to their families, and eventually they sail away from Westeros. Naive and unprepared, Jerian seems to die, where Arya, we think, will be a-okay. He notes that the pronunciation, similar kind of, Jaria, Jerian, Jerian, Arya, fucking off mysteriously on a boat. Jerian is kind of a young adult with no responsibilities, and he adds, get a job, which I agree. Arya's a child, but after shenanigans of ice and fire go down and the others are defeated, she might really be a young adult with no real responsibilities, too. Independence from family, Jerian's a lone wolf, the black sheep lion of the family, and Arya also has that strong lone wolf energy, but they do contrast, right? Jerian seeks a way to secure connection with his family through Bright Roar, while Arya might go off empowered by a strong connection and security from her family. And ambiguity, Jerian's never heard from again. Arya presumably leaves at the end of a dream of spring in TV show land and goes out to an unknown fate. Well, quote, unquote. So there are differences. Magic, especially as a big one for Arya, having had a little more training in magic and perceiving danger and skills. We can't presume she might be able to, like, go out and ship off to a shy, but if she did, she'd probably have a better time of it than Jerian. I could see that. I don't know. Just some interesting thoughts on Arya, Ari, and Jerry. Will says, I love that, and very important. Will attached a photo of his dog, Billy, in a super ill-fitting jumper for us to look at, and it was super cute. Thank you, Will. I really like this, though. I, I like the Jerian and Arya. I never would have put them together. Jerian is kind of the mysterious family member, and I can see where oh, even yeah. he has some Rickon vibes, right, with the Shaggy Dog story. It is interesting, and it kind of makes me think, like, is it is it also, like, a little bit of Brendan Blackfish as well, right? Is there is this a thing that mm, happens? yeah. Throwing it out there in families. Brendan Blacksheep. With multiple children, right? Like, there's one who's, like, a little bit different from the other siblings and, like, just goes off. Like, there's still, still theoretically would have had a good relationship with them, except for the part where Jerian's, like, gone, gone. But, like, you know. <laughs> and also, yes, very happy with this photo of Billy in a jumper, which tells me what country you are from, Will, <laughs> that you said jumper. Right. And Billy looks so dapper in this mm -hmm. photo. Incredibly dapper. I wish you could all see it. I'm looking at it again right That's now. A good one. <laughs> yeah. Thanks again, Will. I really like that. I like the Jerian and Arya stuff. He has a lot in his character that we don't know about. Which makes it loud for us. It's not said by anyone. Makes it louder for us. Yeah, it's almost like, I don't know. Because we know that the Lannisters and that that generation of Lannisters, they don't have any repressed trauma <laughs> around Boss. So oh my god. <laughs> the fact that we don't hear about it Jesus. much really says a lot to us. Alright, Eliana, read us in. We got a hit email from our friend, Warren. We had another email from our friend with proportionally sized ears who says <laughs> massive kudos to beth who was excellent last week as jack and got some weasel soup then said goodbye to aria no, but not to pate i think i mean who knows could it have been me could it have been my face oh my that he changed his face to and then fucked up the episode unsure unsure it was the no. intern on the social media who tweeted out the strange thing. It was the intern on Ted Cruz's social media. Um, if any, if anyone, Jake. Does anyone remember that? Does anyone remember that? What a time. Um, <laughs> anyways, Warren talks about having sent some emails in the past, especially during Brand's coverage about the loss of innocence and the role that plays in his arc, and also how it, it covers 
Arya's storyline as well, and it's a theme that's in many of the Stark siblings, that loss of innocence. Mm-hmm. But also, he really likes how this kind of idea gets explored differently through all these different POVs. Arya, of course, Orn points out, it's sad to see her have to say bye to another mentor, but posits that perhaps Chloe is very excited about the next mentor that's going to show up <laughs> for Arya. What? Her storyline. Ow! And, woof, woof. you know, kind of... He was wondering what lessons she's learning, uh, as well as the ones that she's not learning, and then talks a little bit about the theory of Arya ultimately killing Lady Stoneheart, and wonders if one (laughs) of the key lessons that Arya is missing that is present through all of her mentors so far is the value of life. And Mm. he also talks about, like, where she would use Needle for the purpose, and and the impact that the bond she has with Needle, like, would it permit George to let her wield Dark Sister later in the story? And I think that is actually like a really interesting question. But for now, he signs off with looking forward to next week and the end of Arya's Hall sojourn. Ooh, yeah. That's a great thought. Like, will it let her wield Dark Sister? Like, will she be ready to part or use another sword? I do wonder that. Uh, maybe this is silly, but when you think of like dragons are mounts, and they only accept certain people to ride them, that emotional connection. So with Arya with her sword, it's hard to let Needle go. It's a similar emotional feeling in a way. And I don't know, Valyrian steel especially takes a lot of commitment, confidence, you know, soul to be wielding it. It's a bigger sword. It's not like that big, but it's bigger. I don't mean in the size, it's small. It fits her. It fits her, which is the point, right? And aging, though, like, gracefully, it would fit her. She's described as slender. As she ages, she'll probably be more Visenya-shaped, able to wield it properly. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. Also, like, the zombies would be part of it, right? I think it would be powerful against zombies, maybe? Well, that's actually interesting what you're saying in regards to her growing and Dark Sister, right? Because Needle is made for Arya. And for Arya, the size she is now. And mm-hmm. many people do not say the same size as they were when they were nine years old. <laughs> no, mostly so, no. Mostly no. I know you and I have not. Nah, I came out we like above this. average. We, <laughs> but like, if she grows into a height that would, maybe Dark Sister would be better accustomed to that. And like, Needle plays a role, right, in helping her feel tied to that stark identity and going back home, mm-hmm. which I know you you have some thoughts on later this episode, but would being able to let Needle go be a little bit about learning to let go of your childhood and the past and those hurts and then learning to come into who you are as an adult and then growing into someone who can wield Dark Sister because it might not be advantageous to wield a non-Valyrian steel sword against, as you said, the zombies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've written a little bit about this before, and Hmm. I think Dark Sister's probably going to be Miro wielding it at first. You say that as well. And it's interesting, like, this sword specifically is designed for Visenya, a lighter person, a smaller person, the Dark Sister, when you have Sansa's Rainies. It feels like Arya's going to end up getting it. I'd be interested to see, the show kind of gave her, like, the cat's paw dagger, and I think... Maybe that could happen, but uh, I kind of doubt it. I imagine it's kind of an upgrade from childhood to womanhood for Arya. Yeah. Last week, you know, Beth brought up Not a Girl, Not Yet a Woman by Britney Spears, which, you know, (laughs) 
it's part of this arc, but also it could go mm-hmm. the other way, right? Like maybe she uses Dark Sister in the fight against the others and has to do something and loses the sword, goes back to Needle. Who fucking knows? Not me. I was gonna say, what if yeah. the opposite? What if Needle breaks? Oh. What if Needle breaks? I but mean then also what about the line of after winter we'll find you with Needle? Or she leaves Needle with a body and plants oh. it as that's Arya Stark. Peace out. Hell, give it to Jane, know. maybe. I could see Needle breaking even in the cold, you know, last hero sense, so cold your sword shatters. Oh, like, uh, yeah. Well, also, it could be literal as well in the Waymar Royce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tries to fight with normal fucking steel against the others, and they're like, Brush! Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm thinking. Maybe it breaks in battle. Maybe she doesn't use Dark Sister at first. I don't know. Oh, yeah. She refuses to. Yeah, she, she doesn't want to grow up, uses Needle, can't. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Interesting ideas. Yeah. Lots to think about. We should do a Valyrian steel sword discussion sometimes. I like it. I like those little swords. Yeah, I want the Valyrian steel spoon. <laughs> oh. Mm, okay. All right. It's time to get into our giant lightning round as we're yeah. at the very end of a storm of or <laughs> clash wow. of kings. My bad. Wow. 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 Speeding ahead. Wow. This is like a shitstorm, then a lightning round. There are so many chapters. We're going to barrel through them. I'm going to start us off with our lightning round with Daenerys 4, where Daenerys enters the House of the Undying. What a banger. I know. Someday. Someday. Yeah, and our five POVs left. (laughs) Tyrion 11. Tyrion prepares the capital for Stannis' incoming siege. Hmm. Theon 4. Theon loses the team Stark hostages and takes advice from Reek. Uh-oh. John 6. John shows mercy to Egret. Mm, yeah, he does. Sansa 4. Surrounded by drunk men, Sansa goes to bed and wakes up with what feels like a death sentence. Her first period. Mm. So real. John 7. John rejoins Corrin Halfhand and wards in his dreams. Tyrion 12. News of Bran and Rickon's death reaches King's Landing. Cersei seeks retribution and to intimidate Tyrion. That could be, like, any chapter. Yeah, that, that really could, actually. <laughs> Catelyn 7. Catelyn calls sword. Hello. Theon 5. Theon continues making mistakes in Winterfell. Again, could be any chapter. Exactly. Sansa 5. In the royal set. The ladies are guarded by ill and pain. Davos 3. The chain falls on Blackwater Bay. This could be also a good example. Tyrion put his whole chain nasi oh into God. the Blackwater. Grammar studies here in uh, Girls Gone Canon. Tyrion 13. Tyrion must be brave for the men of King's Landing. Sansa 6. Cersei gives Sansa very maternal and very drunken advice. Tyrion 14. Sir Mandon Moore fucks Tyrion's face up. Sansa 7. Aggressively playing the hit song, And then he kissed me, performed by the Crystals. Yep. Mm hmm. Ah, yes. I did not know, like, the name. Because, you know, the unkiss, the old. The unkiss. The smoocheroo. Or not. Ugh. Daenerys 5. New members join Daenerys' party. Daenerys plans to leave Karth. Which leads us into Arya 10 in A Clash of Kings, Escape from Harrenhal. Uh, 
We open the chapter with Arya passing beneath tarred heads daily in Harrenhal. Wow, are we in King's Landing suddenly? Damn. She can't see the faces, but she pretends at least one of them is Joffrey's, imagining it. The crows surround the gatehouse, causing general issues, and sometimes the dead maester's ravens do as well. Arya wonders if they remember Tothmir, who was killed for sending birds to King's Landing and Casterly Rock, Lucan the Armorer for making weaponry for Lannisters, or Goodwife Hera for telling the household they should serve them, and the steward who gave Tywin the keys to the treasure vault. So there's this line here that really struck me where Arya wonders perhaps the dead could speak to them in some secret tongue the living could not hear and it really speaks to Arya's like unprocessed grief regarding A, the death of her father, B, the earlier on death of her friend, Micah, C, the death of her mentor, Sirio, and then her other mentor, Yorin, also Lamy, and now Jacken has left her. So... You know, there's a lot There's a lot that's been left unsaid, and I think grief is a lot of, you know, the things that you want to say to people who aren't there. And I think it is kind of funny, though. She wonders if the dead can speak in a secret tongue that the living could not hear around these crows and ravens that are flying around these heads, because, I mean, who knows? Some of these crows and ravens might have someone having, like, their second life inside this boar, one of these children of the forest. And... This idea of of the dead still being able to speak to us, I think, really intertwines with Bran's story and Bloodraven stories, which, besides the ability to, yes, see into the past and hear our loved ones who have passed away, as we hear in the way that Bloodraven speaks to Bran, like, a lot of it is just shit that he's not actually processing. Bloodraven also has not processed his grief. He just, like, hangs out, watches home movies all the time of the past, which makes a lot of sense. That's, I think, how a lot of people would deal with that. But he clearly has not moved on because he has nothing else to do because he's tied to a tree. Whereas, you know, Bran, <laughs> Bran you, are, you are young. You have your whole life ahead of you. Please learn to process your grief and move on. Hopefully <laughs> right. we see that. But, you know... Even even their own dad, right? Like Ned with his ghost, he still was in a way trying to commune with the dead in his chapters, you know, thinking of those promises to Liana and his ghosts. And, you know, we, we even like have that idea of the ghost, the dead speaking through with like people like the ghost of High Heart and who loved someone like Jenny who would dance with her ghosts. Yeah. So. Yes. Grief. I think it was what, like last episode or before last, where we talked about there's a lot with the ghost in Harrenhal idea that reminds me of Jenny dancing with her ghosts in the Hall of the Kings who had passed. You know, all the history Arya doesn't even really know on her own about this place. Interesting. Yeah. Who is, I mean, Jenny, Jenny obviously also. Yeah. Yeah. So Something was making that girl sad. Yeah, a girl, it, it's clinical depression. <laughs> that girl was sad. <laughs> she was out here listening to Mitski. To Phoebe Bridgerton. Phoebe Bridgers. Phoebe Bridgerton dollars. <laughs> we need you so bad, Phoebe Bridgers. <laughs> uh. Well, good news. The cook is spared, probably because of Weasel Soup, which reminds, you know, this is all, this was for Arya. This is kind of a shell shock. King's Landing was one thing. It was Lannisters, dastardly evil Lannisters that did it. But these are Northmen. And it really starts to make you 
I don't know, understand the broken man. This is the beginning of an army breaking from its king's wishes. Right here. Breaking rank, doing what they want, and it starts to get a little nasty. Like, you go out to the courtyard, Pia and 469 other women who are raped by Lannister soldiers are now stripped, shaved, and left beside the bear pit to be raped by Northmen soldiers, right? Who wish to do so. There's no difference here. It's actually kind of worse, in a way. Yeah, it's mean. You it's know, cruel. They the bear. You don't have the chance to, like, get away or at least, like, you know, assert anything. They can't stand up for one another in that. And, mm-hmm. like, they're doing this under under Northmen banners, even though, like, I guess theoretically some might say they're not, but, like, they are. They are, um, yeah. And it makes me think of... Granted, they're not executed, but it makes me think of Odysseus returning to Ithaca, right, killing all the traitors who were in his house trying to trying to take over Ithaca, trying to take his wife and shit, and then executing all of the serving women, many of whom were just slaves, or like all of whom were just slaves, in Penelope's household for the crimes of having lain with the traitors and therefore being traitors themselves, I'm like, which makes no fucking sense. Right, because a lot of them, they were like, they were raped, right? And we know mm-hmm. that's the case here with the women at Hall. A lot of them, like, did they have a choice? And even if they did, like, you don't fucking. This is not a punish punishable thing, and not something that you would. This punishment makes sense for whatsoever. It's like the women we meet in Brienne's chapters or come across, I should say. They yes, lay with lions. Exactly. Exactly. Someone else's crimes, they don't get to commit their own crimes. They're punished and treated as objects for choosing, quote-unquote, choosing the wrong owner. Mm-hmm. Which, not really. Again, quote-unquote. <laughs> well, these three frame men are raping women when Arya goes to the well and she hears them laughing. Goodwife Amabel seizes her on the way back. We have this quote. The water went sloshing over the side onto Amabel's legs. You did that on purpose! The woman screeched. What do you want? Arya squirmed in her grasp. Amabel had been half crazed since they'd cut Hera's head off. Oh. Yeah. I feel like we've seen a lot of that in the main books and in pre Song of Ice and Fire, right? Like Fire and Blood. Uh, some of these stories of people who have watched something terrible and become half crazed. Even Sansa gets described as hysterical after seeing Ned's head fall off. Arya didn't see the head cut off. She experienced a lot of pain and sadness, but she didn't actually see that head come off of her father. So it's terrible to think about the contrast that obviously Amabel is acting a little crazy towards Arya, but hopefully Arya understands that this woman's got some issues. She's in her soul sad about it. I mean... Arya would probably be acting this way too. I mean, her mother does, right? Like upon the yeah. death of Rob, Rob. and e- when Bran even just straight up falls down, she not sleeping and eating for like days, and then what she says to John, Catatonic. and then also like her being like, "Yeah, I'm about to fucking just take this knife in my hands." That's some fucking half crazed shit. Yeah, that's what grief does to you, right? When you experience a lot of it, trauma. Amabel played by the fucking rules. When Arya showed up, she was like, this is how the castle runs. And Arya gave the castle to Northmen because she didn't like how the castle was run. And it turns out, maybe giving the Northmen the castle wasn't good. 
war doesn't really take sides when it comes to people that are affected by it, right? Like, yeah, war kills anybody and everybody that comes through it. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I don't know if, like, Arya truly, she's still kind of, like, internalizing that, but doesn't really, we don't see her reflect on that yet, Mm -hmm. right? Because she's nine. Nine. But (laughs) Amabel and Hera showed her more or less, like, some form of kindness. And Arya, to them, they feel like Arya repaid that. Them accepting her with, Mm. here's a terrible fucking regime, and you're going to get killed and raped for it. Mm -hmm. Terrible. Amabel points at Pia, telling Arya that will be her when the Northmen fall, that Harrenhal kills them all in the end, real, and Tywin will return to punish the disloyal. She threatens she may even rape Arya with an old broom, and Arya swings the bucket at her, telling her never touch her again or she'll kill her. Sopping, goodwife Amabel jabbed a thin finger at the flayed man on the front of Arya's tunic. You think you're safe with that little bloody man on your teat, but you're not. The Lannisters are coming. See what happens when they get here. You should have done the first Amabel. That was wow. amazing. Thank you. BAFTA. Going for the EGOT BAFTA. this year, by the way. <laughs> mm, wow. Wow. So Arya refills her bucket, thinking if she told Lord Bolton about this, Amabel's head would roll and goes back to working. She She does not do this, but she thinks about it. And... I do think it's interesting that Amabel uses threats of gendered and sexual violence against Arya here, right? The raping with the broom. And I think that Arya's storyline is among the more obvious amongst the POVs when it in how it discusses gender and also how it discusses class. But it is, I would say, like much more subtle and maybe even too subtle in how the two intersect. And much of the early part of her story, of course, like I, th- I don't think, like, it takes a genius to see, like, it revolves around her rejecting gender expectations, especially for high-born girls in Westeros. And also, I mean, to an extent, in our own real world, right? Things are changing. It's 2023, in case, you know, for the for the historians listening to our podcast, it's 2023. And she does seem more interested, right, in those masculine-coded activities or things that are more physical, such as sword fighting. And as earlier mentors have questioned in her story, like, why does she need live steel in sword fighting? Especially if it's just for practice. They question this amongst, like, the the boys, too, when they're practicing. Because they're like, you don't need live steel. Live steel's for killing. It's for violence. And that connection to violence in sword fighting is, I think, how Arya becomes perceived as a character who transcends gender or is less feminine. Again, because of that connection with with that. Uh, there's obviously a lot of other things too, right? There's how she dresses, um, that she doesn't want to participate in expected activities, of course, but the sword fighting, I think, plays a really big part of it, and it's a good reminder that using violence as a means to power does not necessarily lead to gender liberation, nor equality and justice among the sexes, mm. right? Violence as power is what patriarchy is built upon and only reinforces those shackles. And we see that here with what happens with the when the Northmen take over Harrenhal. And like I'm not saying that Arya shouldn't have freed the Northmen, but just more of like extrapolating yeah. that the story is showing us that about the relationship between power, violence, and biological sex. I'm not saying Arya is wrong for doing that. Just, you know. Yeah. I mean you put that really well, right? Like she's doing what she has to to survive. She flipped the castle because she couldn't live under Weiss. 
but she didn't really understand that delicate balance of the castle. It's very delicate. All of it was about to fall apart at any moment if one thing went wrong. That's a, yeah, that's a great point. It's not a well-run ship, as we see and we discussed last week, that after Tywin took everyone and left, it all, bloop, fell apart. And Bruce doesn't really give a shit either, as we're seeing about any of that. It's an interesting crossroads. (laughs) Ha ha, close to. She did what she thought would keep her safe. And you start to see kind of that resentment in this chapter from her friends. Like, we're about to come into that. There's heavy resentment because it turns out what she did messed everyone else's lives up a little bit. That's a that's that's a great point. Like for her, she enjoyed the Stark regime in general, overall, because she was in a place of privilege mm-hmm. in it, and that's why she thinks it was so fucking good. And I mean, as Amabel points out though, like, well, you're you're talking about the resentment people are feeling, and I think Amabel makes another like great point as well, like that again, I think is a might be maybe it's not that subtle, but I think it is well taken in regards to again gender like she points out and Arya's next thought reinforces like you think you're safe with that man and like whether it's Jacken or she means the sigil that Amabel is pointing to or even Roose Bolton as Arya thinks if I told Roose that Amabel said this she'd be executed right but at this point the any power that Arya has right and her holding on to that last name last chapter like power in its explicit form for her still has to flow from men she only has power if it's coming from men and not implicitly from herself. And that leads to whatever the fuck is happening in Harrenhal right now. Yeah. System's built on that. She's now a middle manager. That's great. <laughs> That's true. She's a middle manager. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. She has a lot yeah. more power in this chapter. You see her coming to confidence. The way she's able to escape is literally because of the power she had. She leverages it and she leverages the belief that people have in her as Lord Bolton's corporate assistant right she's a pa that's 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 a great point she is like it is absolutely power resides where people believe it resides Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. well gendry blames her for lucan's death and for her weasel soup and Arya's like it's not fair you hated amory lorch and those other men but gendry's like these men are worse and he has a point (laughs) kyvern biter they're bad she put some bad people in power here and she knows he's right Ruth's sent Vargo and his team out in four different groups to hunt Lannisters, and it turns out Vargo's methods are very bad. They're cruel. Very bad. <laughs> so true. Bestie. Yeah. He's gonna find one, too, soon enough, right? Honestly, Jamie. Honestly, you know, I love that Gendry points this out, and also gonna throw it out there, it's amazing how great, like, Robert's kids really just end up becoming without his presence in their lives. <laughs> yeah. Like, truly the apple can fall far from the tree. Like Joffrey... <laughs> Right? The worst. 24-7 around Robert. Always horrible. Gendry. Saw Robert's shadow once. Perfect. The yeah. perfect boy. We love we love Gendry. Picture of positive masculinity. <laughs> Honestly, kind of. Anyways. um, Though, you know, it is very rude of Gendry to complain about Biter's taste in cuisine. He's like, oh, he eats people. And I'm like, so what if he eats people and gnaws right. on hands in the middle of combat? Am I right? Like, hoops. I mean, they were gonna die anyway. Normal shit. Normal shit from Biter. <laughs> Natural causes. <laughs> Weasel soup. Uh. Yeah, and Biter and Rorge are gross. Yeah. Right? Like, they dine with Bolton and his garrison, which is kind of crazy. They're actually welcome guests. They've moved up on the rinks. And Biter smells like cheese. 
So Bolton makes him sit very far away from them, which honestly, from the description, it kind of makes me think that he has a bacterial infection of some sort on his skin. That actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I've been thinking about it way too much. I wasn't sure if it was that or if he has whatever, like, the original reek had, but it said it smells like cheese and not, like, rotting. I don't know. I think that might be a bacterial infection, honestly. Yeah. Or a fungal. Um, Skin fungal. I had a horrible thought about this one thing that I learned once called smegma, but let's Oh my god. Um, (laughs) Anyway. Rorge is scariest, though, sitting by Urswick, who is all- and Rorge is, like, also always watching her. Very creepy. Especially with that threat that he had last time. Um, it makes her wish she had gone across the sea with Jack in, and she often touches his coin wondering, is this valuable or not? She's interrupted from her coin troubles when Elmar Frey, Ruse's squire, asks her to help him roll a barrel of sand across the yard. When they reach his destination, she opens the barrel, revealing armor, and asks if he did an okay job. And Arya shows him the spots that he needs to go over. And is like, mm, these are still rusty. You should do it again. And he's like, you fucking do it. And he's being actually yeah, a huge dick right now. And he would often boast that he was a true-born son of the crossing. Set to marry a princess. Which, lol. I, <laughs> lol. I do lol. hope they cross paths again. This is what we call dramatic irony. Is the George put his whole Iron Nussy. Oh into, <laughs> into my this. god. I'm gonna dramussy you across the head. <laughs> Jesus. It would be interesting if they cross paths again because I don't know, maybe she'll murder him. Oh, that'd be which is funny considering what we talked about, right? But Arya doesn't really care. She hates being commanded by him. She fucking hates that. Yeah. And she tells him so. She says, no, I have to go bring water to Bruce for his leechings. His very <laughs> big leechings. Because it turns out Elmer is afraid of leeches. So we have this passage. Elmer's eyes got as big as boiled eggs. Leeches terrified him. Especially the big pale ones that look like jelly till they're filled up with blood. Oh, I forgot. You're too skinny to push such a heavy barrel. I forgot. You're stupid. <laughs> Arya picked up the pail. Maybe you should get leech too. There's leeches in the neck, as big as pigs. I'm like, oh, the neck is just Blight Town in Dark Souls. I love that she's a little more herself, right? She's posing. She oh, could be yeah, a Northman. Yeah, yeah. She could pose as herself because she's talking about the neck so casually to him. That Bolton sigil protects her. But how do you know about the neck, mm. Arya? Hmm. Hmm. You know, the phrase live right there. But how does Arya know yeah, about it? Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, she's very bad at this. She's young. She'll learn. Back in Bruce's chamber, it's quite the party. Everyone from Kyburn to Steelshanks to a dozen Freys are chillin', big chillin', while Bruce is nakedly lying there, leeches all over, discussing war plans and how to defend themselves from being trapped here at Harrenhal. It's kind of an open position. Amy's Frey, stooped, watery-eyed, had brought 1,500 Frey swords to Harrenhal, but he sucks at commanding. And he's whining that the castle's too big to hold, true, and feed sufficient people for, and to bring in supplies. It's way too big. Yeah, I, first of all, I'm wondering, is the roost thing, and him being naked while doing this fucking meeting, is this like a Lyndon, was it Lyndon Johnson, Lyndon B. Johnson, who used to, like, fucking take meetings from, like, while pooping? Yeah, I'm, it is, I'm googling for you, it was There was a U.S. president Johnson. who used to do that. yeah. Mm. It was Lyndon Johnson. I, I he, remember it because he's, you know, Johnson on the Johnson. Right? Oh my god. Um, <laughs> he held meetings in the bathroom. Oh my god. Uh, 
he would legitimately expose his genitals, urinate in the sink, sit on the toilet, but it never caused an embarrassment to him whatsoever. He just wanted to show his power. It's a power move. It's absolutely move. Like, meant to be an, a power, wielding power over other people. So I'm reading a book right now, The New Zoe Ash, where there's a character that straight up shows up naked oh. to a first meeting like this, and he's creepy just like this like the girl's like put your clothes on he's like why i have nothing to hide it's just like this very creepy yeah melisandre does that every now and then too but it's different when women do it yeah it hers is, is it's more of an enticing right it's more of a shall you ally yeah. me nakedly i will say this thing that Annie is, is saying about harrenhal it is like they don't have enough men to hold it on all sides i feel mm-hmm. like it is very insightful, and they don't know how, but it seems like something that could come into play at some point. Yeah, the problem is, like, Tywin has burnt down the Riverlands. There's no food in store. You're out. Look at where we are right now in a dance with dragons, right? You have the veil with food. I mean, the Reach, obviously. The Reach True. and the veil. Everyone's kind of out of food. The Reach comes to King's Landing. Mary's in at the end of this book, right where we are. and What? <laughs> fucks the Riverlands even more. If you marry the Baratheons, the quote-unquote Baranisters, all all they can really do is forage here. And the Lannisters are staged everywhere trying to shoot them down. They're kind of between a rock and a hard place. And we'll say, we talked about this with Brienne and Jaime, you can see why Roose is interesting. And you see why Walter Frey's like, interesting. Maybe we all flip sides because they're fucked. When you're hungry and you're besought, there's really not much you can do. Things are grim in the Riverlands. Yeah, it also, I mean, things are grim in the Riverlands. Things are grim for the Northern camp in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Theon. <laughs> it's also why we see some of these people look at Hall as such a temporary holding place. Bruce doesn't want to be trapped here. And the phrase, this time, Jared the Liar is like, What do you mean? Is Edmir going to battle Tywin? And Arya starts thinking, he'll beat him, just like he did on the Red Fork. She stands quietly near Kyburn, and Roos tells them all, Tywin's too busy to march on Harrenhal. But Aenys doesn't understand how they mean to defend themselves when Tywin does come back for his castle, because they don't really have the numbers. With Highgarden joining the Lions, as said, and Hostine and the rest agreeing, they don't want to be prisoners again of the mm-hmm. Lannisters. The Freys also agree, Rob has lost the North. His brother's and the war. This is bad news for Arya. Yeah, everyone's like, meh. But Arya specifically, this is very bad. We have a passage. For a moment, Arya forgot to breathe. Dead? Brandon Rickon dead? What does he mean? What does he mean about Winterfell? Joffrey could never take Winterfell, never. Rob would never let him. Then she remembered that Rob was not at Winterfell. He was away in the west, and Bran was crippled, and Rickon only four. It took all her strength to remain still and silent the way Sirio Farrell had taught her, to stand there like a stick of furniture. She felt tears gathering in her eyes and willed them away. It's not true. It can't be true. It's just some Lannister lie. It is a Greyjoy lie, in (laughs) fact. Yeah, a Greyjoy slash Snow lie, if you will. And a Bolton lie, actually, now that I think about it. A Snow lie. Yeah. He's not a Bolton yeah, yet. Oh, sorry, sorry. I don't know. He's got he's got Bolton energy for Shersies though. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of horrible the way her and Sansa have to learn about it and hold themselves together in front of an audience, yeah. right? 
big sad. <laughs> I know, big sad for Arya, big sad for Sansa, yeah. Sansa's looked at as like if she cries, it's weakness and betrayal. She's a traitor, yeah. Mm-hmm. And if Arya does, then it's a betrayal for who she is or that she cares, right? It's like an instant, wait a second, didn't the Starks have a very small girl that looked like her? Yeah, bummer yeah. for all. Don't fear, they're alive. It'd just be, like, weird, right? Why is the cupbearer suddenly crying? What are you doing? Yeah. It would start, you know, getting the math to math is all I'm saying, you know? Absolutely. Someone would figure it out pretty quick there. Absolutely. And as Beth pointed out last last chapter, like, honestly remarkable that they did not piece it together, but mm-hmm. that would have definitely clicked it. For real. Yeah. She Thankful. doesn't really, it's kind of harder for her to get, like, you know, more info where Sansa can, at least. You know, people are willing to be explicit about, mm-hmm. maybe too explicit about that. She's living inside the propaganda machine, yeah. Ronnell Rivers. Ronnell Rivers, one of Walder's bastards, says, had Stannis won, it would have been different, which is probably true. <laughs> Meanwhile, Roose is just smiling. He dismisses the bleating phrase and asks Nan to remove his leeches. I love all those little foreshadowings going on. Roos isn't here to make friends, first of all. He's not here to support Rob's cause. That's very loud. He doesn't care about keeping Harrenhal or defending those lands. And it continues after this with Tallheart's letter. Mm. Yeah, I'm not here to make friends. I'm imagining Roos doing his little like <laughs> interview in section in the reality TV show. Yeah, real lords of Westeros. <laughs> He would absolutely be out there. Um, so I don't know that he's like for Tywin yet, because I think George has said that even at, in early ASOS, Roos was still deciding like his loyalties. But I'm sure that the phrase complaints and, you know, his own like feelings of like, but what can I do for Roos? <laughs> it probably all makes a pretty enticing case for him to like not be pro Stark right now. Yeah. That but I'll also sense. say side note regarding Arya removing the leeches really goes to show her dexterity, though. Like, they are indeed probably, I've never held mm. a leech, I have no intentions of doing so, but probably <laughs> fragile little creatures. And I likely have to be kind of like coaxed off, you know, delicately off of like any person, including Roos, without harming either him or squishing the leech. So, yeah. Impressive. I imagine they're decent size. It depends on the type. They can be really big. They can go anywhere from like, yeah, from skinny and wormy to like caterpillar to even bigger than that. Who knows? I don't know. Like a pencil, a little thicker than a pencil, maybe half the size. I don't know. A quarter the size of the length of a pencil and chubby and thick. You can Google it. You can absolutely Google it. Okay. They're creepy and weird. And when they're full of blood, they're going to be fatty is another thing, because they've been sucking down blood. Mm. So, like, if you squish them, blood comes out. Yeah. Delicious. I've had a mommy that, before. That, that a joke. I don't actually think that. They don't sound delicious. Them. That's disgusting. Eliana. Um, I've had the mommy before. I don't Ugh. like them. I did, yeah. yeah. Lake life as I a kid. I it's, like, very painless, but, you know. Yeah, they're, they're not they painful. they something. But I don't know. You, I don't know. You tell me. They're more... They're more, like, annoying, right? Like, ew, what's that on my leg? Something stuck to you, and you go to, like, swat it off, and you're like, what the fuck? What is that? Yeah. What is this slimy-ass thing on me? You know, it's more, like, creepy Ugh. and annoying than anything, but... Roos is a creepy guy, and so is Kyburn, who remains, declaring that <laughs> Roos Bolton has a letter from Alda, and then Roos asks him to read it, 
We got that little necromancy tip off here, also regarding Kyburn being like, mm. ooh. Mm hmm. Yeah. Speaking of necromancy, Arya notes he's not wearing a chain. Yes. What? That might be one of the first times we notice it before we meet him with Jamie. Interesting, interesting. I love the note from Walda. <clears throat> the lady Walda wrote from the twins almost every day, but all the letters were the same. I pray for you morn, noon, and night, my sweet lord, she wrote, and count the days until you share my bed again. Return to me soon, and I will give you many true-born sons to take the place of your dear dumb Eric and rule the Dreadfort after you. Arya pictured a plump pink baby in a cradle covered with plump pink leeches. Aw, adorable. Aw. <laughs> My god. Arya has no clue how lucky she is escaping this. I'm like, Arya girl, you're about to become part of yeah, that family without honestly, wanting it. You don't know dodged it. dodged so many bullets. You are about to be engaged to that pale pink baby girlfriend. Yeah, that's true. Either that one or the other, the other horrifying one. <laughs> And I don't know, like, what if what if this child would have been, like, normal? You know, it turns out, like, Dameric mm. was, like, a nice dude. Yeah. Not like dad. And... Maybe Roos is a good dad, going back to what we said earlier <laughs> well, with Robert, what, right? what if he is, like, when he's actually there? He didn't parent Ramsay. Agreed. That was so... And then he, he did parent Dameric, and Dameric turned out great. Yeah. Wow, what if... Wow. Maybe really Roos is good. Just like, just like Bale and Greyjoy... Was a great dad to one kid. A <laughs> one. So was Bruce. That's kind of wild to think about. It's entirely possible. Yeah. Walda, Walda put her whole... Mm -mm. Nope. Puss, Anyways. Pussy. Just straight up pussy. <laughs> Bruce writes a letter back, but to, to Tallheart, not Walda, telling him, put the captives to the sword and the castle to the torch by command of the king. Then he's to join forces with Rebecca Glover and strike east to Duskendale. Honestly, it just kind of fucked up that Roos responded like, no, to Helmand Tallard. Like, that was supposed to be obvious, right? You say, I will write a letter of my own, like, right after the other letter. That's going to be confusing. You can't just hit reply on a message and expect it to be a completely mm -hmm. different person in the fucking two field, Roos. Yeah, it's, it kind of connects, right? Because he tells Arya to take care of the letter in a moment, and Arya puts it in the fire. And I'm like, oh, that's what you meant by take care of. Interesting. He's not, like, a great guy. Not very communicative. No. But he doesn't even tell Nan to, like, forge a letter back. Yeah. He, but apparently, perhaps, a very good parent. He did He did show some, some oh grace to Arya later this chapter. Maybe that's what he's like. Mm. You get some mistakes. Mm -hmm. But Maybe. not too many. There's really great language there. He says, command of the mm -hmm. king. No specific king. Just command Ooh. of the king, which is a nice hint at what's to come. Good call, good call. Yeah. By command of the king, which king? It comes back to play next chapter when they come back to when they meet the Brotherhood, you know? They also use the language of we're king's men without saying which king. Yeah. This is a great war strategy, though. Send your men out on a goose chase, create internal conflict and strife, waste your king's levies, and make the campaign look really bad. Hmm. Yeah. It is, and that's, like, definitely... He does a lot of suspicious stuff. Definitely some hints here that he's not fully in support of Rob. He's, as you said, not here to make friends. Oh my god. Or help Rob. Arya, though. Yeah. <laughs> Arya is super happy about the dairy castle being burnt. She's like, yeah, that's where the queen condemned Sansa's wolf. 
But she wishes that Glover and Tallheart would come back to Harrenhal because she hadn't been able to reveal herself to them yet. Yeah, in regards to the Darius Castle, Arya's like, it deserves to burn because of those bad memories and that bad thing happening there. I'm like, Arya? I don't know about that. I mean, does it though? Yeah. Does, does Darius Castle deserve to burn? They were just an Airbnb for all of you. Mm-hmm. It's not their fault. Yeah. Poor judgment. Being nine, you know? <gasps> Being learning nine. a lot. <laughs> so silly. What a silly time being nine. Uh, learning tons at age nine. Maybe not. Maybe not great. Roos decides to go hunting. Kyburn warns him there are wolves afoot, and Bolton's like, yes, that's what I'm hoping, to hunt wolves. Uh-oh. They discuss how it's kind of weird to see common wolves of the South acting so bold. And Kyburn says, oh, it must be because of the terrible times we're in. And Bolton's like, are these times actually <laughs> that terrible? One king's bad, but four, that's not so bad. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we've got an abundance. Look at that. Economy's up. Look at all these jobs we're making. And there's this hilarious line where Bruce, like, makes an expression. expression and they're like, I think it was like a... They're like, this might have been a smile that he was making. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so fascinating. I mean, that line, though, when he says one king is bad, but four is not... I think that's foreshadowing too, right? Telling us this is a time of opportunity. Four Kings means anything could happen if the Lannisters... Anything could happen. Chaos is a yeah. He calls for his fur cloak from Nan and asks her to tend to Walda's letter and cleaning his chambers. And so Arya, as you said earlier, takes the letter to the hearth. And then we have her having another, another really emotional thought. If the Lannisters hurt Bran and Rickon, Rob will kill them. Everyone. He'll never bend the knee. Never, never, never. He's not afraid of any of them. Curls of ash floated up the chimney. Arya squatted beside the fire, watching them rise through a veil of hot tears. If Winterfell's truly gone, is this my home now? Am I still Arya or only Nan, the serving girl for forever and forever and forever? I love how this kind of mirrors Sansa's, is it all lies forever and ever, right? Yeah. There's a lot of great mirroring in their in their storylines, and it, it it is an interesting question, right? Like, if you are still who you are when you're not in your home, or even if your home is straight up gone, especially probably if you tied your identity to a name like Arya of Winterfell, mm-hmm. right? Not everyone has of blank at yeah. the end of their names. And I mean, speaking of her being nine years old, right? It absolutely shows that like lack of the de- development of the self. When it comes to, you know, child brain development. Yeah, she's not even really getting an option to develop, right? She's like, or not. To, yeah, yeah, to choose true. her development. They're just like, hmm, what if you went to murder school? Mm-hmm. Here's your tuition, this, this <laughs> valuable coin. Uh. She spends her next hours doing chores. No valuable coins to be had there. Mm-mm. And later goes up to the Great Solar, a spare drafty room, and changes out the candles and cleans up the books. However, a very large piece of sheepskin with colored shapes on it, lakes, rivers, red dots to show castles, catches her eye. The Lands of the Riverlands, it's titled, and she notes that River Run's actually pretty close to here. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't think it's as close as she thinks. I'm like, this is not a proportional map, Arya. But yeah. She'll learn. Yeah, she'll learn the hard way. Yeah. Takes, like... takes her quite on a journey to get there. And <laughs> after like two days, she learns. 
She's like, we should be there. <laughs> Are we there yet? Uh, no, it's you don't have cars. Okay, you don't have cars. She, if she had a car, I think she could have done it. When she's finished cleaning, she heads to the godswood. Her duties under Roos were easier than under Weiss or Pink Eye, but she had to make appearances more. Wow, you're right, she is a middle manager, which left her with little time to practice her needlework. The hunt would be gone for a while, so she recants her prayer, stabbing at birch leaves with her broomstick. This is kind of an interesting shift, right? Arya got a promotion, as we talked about, that class conversation with Gendry and Hot Pie, and now Arya's in corporate. She's not a grunt anymore. She's not working class, really. She's in corporate. Her job's no longer about the grunt work and more about showing face for appearances, serving Bolton, being ready at his beck and call. She has a corporate job now, and while corporate jobs do come with some stressors, most people agree they're a step up from grunt work. They're better to manage. They have very different stressors involved, but this could be a little bit maybe where some of that resentment is coming from, from her friends. Yeah, absolutely. She has to, I mean, they see that she's got this cushy job now. Mm-hmm. She has free time. She's out here playing needlework in the godswood, and the boys are, like, busting their asses to physical labor. Not to be confused with Boston. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, not that she's not, but... We gotta contextualize it, girlfriend, yeah, Arya. Your job's different. I think that's- that. I didn't quite realize until you said it earlier this chapter, but yeah, that's absolutely, like, what her station is like now. Yeah. She didn't, like, ask for this job, but they all she think she did. She's not gonna turn the job down. Yeah. I mean- That's kind of- they're all thinking, you got a bunch of people slaughtered so you could work for Bolton. It sure does seem that way, right? Mm-hmm. You killed all of these people and then got a bunch of the people that we care about killed, and now you're living large. Mm-hmm. Well, we have this this lines from Arya's free time, Arya's recreational time. She has work-life balance now. <laughs> the bowl of an oak loomed before her, and she lunged to drive her point through it, grunting, Joffrey! 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 Her arms and legs were dappled by sunlight and the shadows of leaves. A sheen of sweat covered her skin by the time she paused. The heel of her right foot was bloody where she'd skinned it, so she stood one-legged before the heart tree and raised her sword in salute. Valar Margulis, she told the old gods of the north. She liked how the words sounded when she said them. Hilarious. Her first time, you know, playing around with it on her own. Do you think George knew what those words meant? When he first wrote them. Mm, yeah. And had her say them. Okay, I think so. I wasn't sure. Sometimes, I mean, he could have gardened and been like, yeah, let's throw some words there. It'll be fun. Well, I especially think he started this crafting, right? These languages, maybe not all Valyrian, True. not all of High Valyrian, but as we see with what happens with Bravos, as it all unravels, he might not have known the scope. But I think he had an idea because, I mean, look at Danny 3. Right, with Missande in A Storm of Swords, right? Daenerys says it back and forth with Missande. Missande says it to her in High Valyrian. So I think it was coming. I think he I think he mostly knew he wanted to use it this way, but maybe not the rest of the language, right? Oh, right. That's a good point, especially because what, books two and three were actually, they actually were written <laughs> within very close succession ouch. of one another. Yeah, yes, ouch. Thank oh, you. Those were the days. <laughs> Arya heads toward the bathhouse and sees a raven circling from the rookery, wondering if it has news about Bran and Rickon or if it's come from Rob. She thinks if she had wings, she'd fly to Winterfell and see for herself. And if it was true, she'd fly into the stars, see all the things from Nan's stories, 
dragons, sea monsters, the titan of Bravos, and never come back unless she wanted to. I really like this. I think there's something going on with the imagery. There was skin changing, right? Bran can skin change into birds. He can go live in Old Nan's stories. He's literally living there with the others around him. And Arya's probably going to return to face off with the others with her family. So it's likely she'll live out Old Nan's stories as well. But here she says, the Titan of Bravos. She is going to go see that very soon. It's happening. And she's, you know, never come back unless she wanted to. That's interesting. It stands out a lot to me with the trauma she's going to face and coming back to her family and what it's like to stay in Winterfell with her family and maybe leaving will be easier. Her going off on her own might be easier. Her having that choice of when she comes back in the future. I don't know. Interesting. It is. And I like what you said there about the ties. It has skin changing. It definitely has that vibe. And it makes a lot of sense with what you said, right? It does very much tie again to Bran's storyline. I I actually took that at first as like, maybe she really will go, I guess, see what's west of Westeros with that wanderlust of hers mm-hmm. but i think what you said like definitely makes sense it's a little bit of foreshadowing and also like the doesn't have to come back unless she wanted to it does also stand out to me and you know i think part of it is also like being her being able to be ready to see home again even though she knows it's not going to look the same as when you left it because you know Mm-hmm. Of all the death. Yeah. It all changes. All of it. Yeah. At Evenfall, the hunting party returns with nine dead wolves. Ugh. Seven adults. Two only pups. Boo. Bolton orders their skins to be sewn into a blanket, and one of his men suggests that the pups be sewn into warm winter gloves, which, is this even, like... Is that even, like... <laughs> I don't know, a good fur for that? Anyways, Roos likes that, though. He's like, it's reminiscent of the Stark's motto. Dick. Yeah. Two wolf pups. Right? Mm. Just like Bran and Rickon. Right. Sad. True. So sad. It is sad. (laughs) Uh, Especially for those kids who did die. Jesus, yeah. (laughs) Roos orders a flagon of hot spiced wine from Nan. Barley, bread, butter, and boar to dine alone on. She rings the order in with Hot Pie, who's acting distant from her, as we've mentioned. She tries to help him with the spices and the wine, but he's sullen and he's like, I don't need your help. She backs away, more sad than angry. Oh, that's terrible. My poor daughter. Uh, Hot Pie is, of course, very mad. She pulled a weasel soup coup, which is way more fun on paper because it rhymes, right? Weasel soup coop. Uh, just wanted to put that out there. He liked his job before, right? He was learning. He actually really did like his job before. Yeah, so both he and Gendry, they were having, like, a pretty okay time, all things considered, before they were gonna get pork. And, yeah, unfortunately, you know, I, I mean, it makes sense why her friends are pretty, pretty upset and making these very pointed jokes about her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Obviously, it also would have made friends, you know, if they were really good friends, they would have helped her commit lots of murder. And who knows? Maybe they'd have great jobs, too. No, that that was a joke. That was a joke. Um, there's this line here that kind of stood out to me. On the walls, the crows muttered around the heads like courtiers around a king. It just kind of reminded me a little of, like, 
the imagery reminds me a little bit of Bran becoming king. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah, I like that. A court. Yeah, yeah, because he is like, you know, maybe a future king with crows as his courtiers right now. Yeah, I see you, George. Mm-hmm. After she... After she brings Roos his food, he dismisses her for the night, but she waits and asks him if he'll take her with him when he leaves the castle. He chides her for speaking out of turn, questioning him, but he's kind of amused, too. He's like, you will stay with Vargo. And if you continue to question me, I will have your tongue out, as is my right. Yeah, so he, you know, burns his book, right? And I don't know, it gives me the sense of like, is Bruce Bolton also someone who's like not an outfit repeater? Does he not only burn books but also outfits? He just feels like it. Oh my god! You know, Bruce Bolton, fashion and skincare influencer, as we're seeing this chapter. LMAO. I know. Um, I know the book burning's like a big deal, right? Like it's up for debate over the years. What did he burn? What did it mean? And it's curious to me what book he was reading when he gets the letter post Wolf Hunt. But I think it's more indicative of him himself, right? He doesn't mind burning something valuable. He doesn't mind destroying a book, which we learn are pretty valuable in Westeros, just like he plans to burn a very specific bridge, possibly with the North, with the Starks and half the North. There's this great line. He watched the flames consume it, pale eyes shining with reflected light. The old dry leather went up with a whoosh, and the yellow pages stirred as they burned, as if some ghosts were reading them. I think even though George said he was still toying with it in Storm, I don't know, Bruce's decision seems like it's being made bit by bit in this chapter, especially here, as he burns the book. Oh yeah, absolutely. And yeah, true. Books are very valuable. It it makes sense, right, in a society in which few people are literate and some of the ones who are they have to like fucking handwrite an entire book it's all it's all manuscripts so Mm -hmm. Arya leaves passing the wheeling tower hearing arguing elmar frey i don't know i just think of elmer's glue when i see his name (laughs) is outside and she asks him what's wrong he blubbers that they've been dishonored according to a bird from the twins and he'll never marry his princess now We have this little exchange between them. My brothers might be dead, she confided. Elmer gave her a scornful look. No one cares about a serving girl's brothers. It was hard not to hit him when he said that. I hope your princess dies, she said, and ran off before he could grab her. I love that. (sighs) Big Jackin vibes, by the way, right? Like when she told Jackin to kill himself. Oh, true. I'm like, girl. You're telling him to kill yourself here. Or yourself. You're telling yourself to kill yourself. Oh my god. She's the princess. And his princess does die. Arya Mm -hmm. dies and becomes someone else. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, There's, as you said, dramatic irony in this. And again, I I truly hope that they meet again. Not because, like, just, just because I want Elmar Frey to eat his words. That's it. That's all. (laughs) <laughs> and to be like, I'm Arya Stark of Winterfell. Go fucking shine my armor and do it well. No, I'm joking. She doesn't have to do all that. Yeah. Sucker. <laughs> but just at the very least, in the same way that, like, the one thing, uh, there, the one thing that I truly, truly want is for Alistair Thorne to find out that John is Rhaegar's son. Mm-hmm. Yes, it would be so it would good. It just feels so good. Feel good. 
for me <laughs> for you specifically agree i just i just want to see the reaction you know <laughs> anyway at the godswood she prays with her broomstick sword asking the red leaves what to do praying to the old gods for a while there's nothing but the sounds of the godswood but then she hears a long lonely wolf howl goose prickles rose on Arya's skin and for an instant she felt dizzy then so faintly it seemed as if she heard her father's voice. When the snows fall and the white winds blow, the lone wolf dies. But the pack survives, 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 survives. But there is no pack, she whispered to the weirwood. Bran and Rickon were dead. The Lannisters had Sansa. John had gone to the wall. I'm not even me now. I'm Nan. You are Arya of Winterfell, daughter of the North. You told me you could be strong. You have the wolf blood in you, in you, in you, in you. The wolf blood, Arya remembered. Now I'll be as strong as Rob. I said I would. She took a deep breath, then lifted the broomstick in both hands and brought it down across her knee. It broke with a loud crack, and she threw the pieces aside. I am a dire wolf and done with wooden teeth. Woo! Get him, Arya! Yeah. Woohoo! Yeah. I love that line name. so much. That's um, that's the name of my Arya Stark playlist on Spotify. By the way, BT Dubs, Aswaf. I am a direwolf and done with wooden teeth. So if you want to go stalk me, get on Spotify, Google it up. I do love that line though. She's taking strength from Rob. Real mm-hmm. Eliana hours mm-hmm. in the house. We know what she loves. She likes that, folks. That's what she's all I'm about. All about it. She's taking strength from her dad, from the Weirwood, and she knows that this corporate job with Roos, it's not for her. She can't let her new pack suffer. Yeah, she does, and she realizes, I do have a pack now, right? Like, I gotta I gotta get everyone out of this fucking mess that I've made, but mm-hmm. by everyone, I mean only us three. My bad. <laughs> she listens to the voices of the living and dead whisper and argue that night. She can hear her own breath and the wolves too, and there's like a great pack of them. Closer than the godswood calling to her, she slips from her blanket and sneaks out of a narrow cellar window, out to the yard where the wind blows through the wailing tower. Arya heads to the forge, creeping into a window where Gendry shares a mattress with two other apprentice smiths. She puts a hand over his mouth and pinches him awake <laughs> and whispers for him to please follow her. At least she's polite. First of all, second of all, this is what Jacken did to oh, her yeah. in the middle of the night. So she's taking out of his his moves and everything here oh, a lot God. in this whole chapter. She begs Gendry for a sword and he tells her they're all locked up. Why? Did Roos ask for it? She's like, no. She tells him that Hall is going to the mummers and that when Vargo's the lord, he's going to cut the feet off the servants and smiths to keep them from running away. She says she definitely heard him say that, which is a lie. She tells him to go wake Hot Pie and that they'll need bread or oat cakes. And for Gendry to get the swords, Arya's going to go get the horses. I thought it was kind of cute that she says that they should meet behind the Tower of Ghosts because I feel like this chapter is very much about Arya's own ghosts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tower of Ghosts. I like that. I didn't. Yeah. Uh, I didn't think about that. Yeah, and she's leaving that a little behind right now because she's about to go, you know, repress shit. Normal, normal. She enters Kingspire the same way she left it, stripping to her skin and redressing carefully in Lord Bolton's livery. On the breast is his sigil. She slips back out under the stairs, pausing at the Lord Solar and stealing the sheepskin Riverlands map and Bolton's dagger too. 
She prods one of the grooms awake at the stables, telling him that Lord Bolton needs three fast hunting horses saddled, bridled, and done ASAP. <laughs> and we have this line. She hoped they would not hurt him afterward, but she knew they probably would. Bummer. Bummer. <laughs> yeah. Gotta get out, I yeah. guess. It sucks. It does suck, but... It's like what you said earlier. At least she knows, yeah. That's what you said earlier, right? She's she's doing what she needs to do for her own survival. It's self-preservation. Yeah. I mean... And that's that's kind of the lesson she's learning. Mm-hmm. That's one of her biggest skills. That's true. Her and Sansa both. These siblings all have, like, a skill that I think they're very strong at. Sansa and her are both strong with self-preservation. Sansa's also strong at adapting. Mm. Arya is... Great at self-preservation and a lot of those, a lot of those intrigue skills we've talked about, yeah. being quiet as a shadow. So those are their special skills. Good job, girls. Yeah, you know who's not good at self-preservation? Jon Snow. Not <laughs> yeah. amongst his skills. That bitch is dead. <laughs> it's really he is not. a dead motherfucker. What a dead bitch. <laughs> <laughs> There's a cat Arya sees on the way to go do all this stuff, and the line is like. No one saw her. She saw no one. Only a gray and white cat creeping along atop the godswood wall. It stopped and spit at her, waking memories of the Red Keep and her father and Cereal Pharrell. I could catch you if I wanted, she called to it softly, but I have to go. Interesting. It kind of reminds me of her mom, right? Gray and white. The cat, in a way, is her mom in the Riverlands. Like, I could catch up to you. I could get to you, but... Yeah. Yeah. But right now, safety is more important. Yeah, yeah. I, and again, like, she's saying bye to those memories here, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Well, spoiler alert, she does not get to her mom. Yet. Um. <laughs> Damn. Arya leads the horses across the castle, staying in shadow, hoping she can avoid the sentries making their rounds. She waits for Gentry and Hot Pie at the ruins of the Tower of Ghosts sharpening the dagger the way that Sirio taught her in order to stay calm. And here's Gendry and Hot Pie before she sees them. Gendry is prepared, alright? He's an oiled chainmail. He's got a blacksmith's hammer on his back. And Hot Pie, not as prepared, but in a different way prepared. He's wearing a hood. So we've got that at least. He's got a sack of bread on his arm and then like a whole like half a wheel of cheese under the other, which is honestly... Hot Pie, you are welcome anytime with a wheel of cheese. Gendry points out that there's a guard at the postern, just like he told her that there would be, and she says she'll she'll take care of it. She'll get rid of him, telling him to come quick when she calls. And Hot Pie tells her to hoot like an owl, and she's like, I'm not gonna hoot like an owl, that's for losers, I'm gonna howl, because I'm a wolf, and that she'll howl when she's ready. I love it. Taking control and confidence in her identity again. Mm. But we do get, you know, that kind of impossible kind of situation going on because she can't be no one and Arya Stark and that starts to show through here. She's like, I'm gonna be a Stark again. I'm gonna be a Stark again. Not for long. That's a great point because actually that is a lot of what happens in Storm, right? She's going around telling people, I'm Arya Stark. Yeah, and then she throws it all away again because she says, I'm going east. Yeah. Hell yeah. I'm going to murder school. (laughs) Goodbye. Goodbye boarding school. It is actually a boarding school. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there's this line she walked fast to keep ahead of her fear 
and it felt as though Cereal Pharrell walked beside her. Oh. And Yorin and Jack and Hagar and Jon Snow. Because he's dead. She had not taken the sword Gendry had brought her. Not yet. For this, the dagger would be better. It was good and sharp. She's preparing. She's scared. Oh. Raindrops begin to fall. She makes no effort to hide. She just approaches the guard normally, openly, as if Roose had sent her. And when she gets closer, she realizes he's a Northman. Dreadfort men had served Bolton their whole life, and they knew Roos better than she did. She thinks about revealing who she is, but she thinks the better of it. He's not a Winterfell man. He's Roos's man, she thinks. She tells him Bolton sent her. She sees he's wearing chainmail and realizes, fuck, I have to stab him in the throat. Life's so hard. It is hard. It is so hard. It's very high up for her. <laughs> she tells him Bolton asked her to give the guards a silver piece for their good service. Okay. And hands him the coin and lets it drop to the ground before sliding the dagger across his throat. Yeah, normal. And, yeah. because yeah, Good move, goes, honestly. Yeah, he does bend to pick it up. And then earlier you are talking about how the way that Arya woke Gendry up is the same as how Jacken woke her up. And he's implementing, she's implementing the things that she's seen him do. In this chapter, which is, yeah, I mean, I think that the way she drops the coin is kind of similar to the way that Jacken, in a way, like, disarmed uh, on, on a, mm. like, not on a literal level, but was disarming around the guards be- right before Weasel Soup, right? He's like, I have a thing that you all want, which is food, <laughs> enticing them, and and then spills the soup all over him, and that's what she does with the coin, and I think learning how to get people in the position that she wants them to be slash what is advantageous mm-hmm. for her is among the lessons that she's learning. And Sansa, I think, learns the same thing, but hers manifests in a more political sense in Feast and might be used more for a like bartering kind of like blackmailing kind of thing. Whereas Arya learns to do it in a more assassiny way, right? Like use what people yeah. want to get them in a position to stabby stab, and I think it's an important skill in her assassin toolbox that we see come up again in Wins. That's so great. When Sansa does it, she does it in like a political way. Arya can kind of do it in a physical way, and Arya here is making up for stature. Literally, it goes back to that idea of people see what they want to see. Yeah. I mean, if, if Sansa did get into that stuff, you know, Sophie Turner's real tall. She could have reached that throat. <laughs> yeah, she'd have already, she'd have been there. For sure. For sure. Well, so. we close out the chapter with a passage between Arya, Hot Pie. Uh, do you want to be Arya or Hot Pie? I want to be Hot Pie. Of course you do. Okay. <laughs> Valar Mogulis, she whispered as he died. When he stopped moving, she picked up the coin. Outside the walls of Harrenhal, a wolf howled long and loud. She lifted the bar, set it aside, and pulled open the heavy oak door. By the time Hot Pie and Gendry came up with the horses, the rain was falling hard. <gasps> you killed him! Hot Pie gasped. What did you think I would do? Her fingers were sticky with blood, and smell was making her mare skittish. It's no matter. She thought, swinging up into the saddle. The rain will wash them clean again. Oh, Arya is so practical. It's okay that we're bloody. Come and oh, clean! Yes. Oh, come and clean! Let the rain fall! That 
We came yeah. full circle on yeah, that one. Let's go back, back to the beginning. Oh my god. <laughs> back to the rain will cover their escape. Actually, like their yeah. tracks, their, their everything. Yeah, I mean, it's actually very fortunate for them that it's raining mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna cover the sound. I don't know. Honestly, they got pretty lucky. Right. And it would also make it more difficult for other people to pursue them. Not that anyone gives a shit. Like, no one's going to fucking pursue mm-hmm. the smith that wasn't fully trained, one of the cooks, and the cupbearer. Yeah. Next chapter, we'll, we'll obviously go into it next week, but it's interesting that she's very afraid they're being followed. Which, to be fair, after, like, one day, they'd figure out who stole all the stuff and left. They left together. They stole horses. They stole food. They stole weaponry. But they don't immediately get chased by them, funnily enough. And maybe maybe we yeah. don't know that we know of, but... I mean, I feel... Yeah, I feel like they've all got, like, bigger things to worry about. Like, I don't know, the war. <laughs> and other resources. Maybe. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, maybe. They've got to get ready for a wedding that's coming soon. Yeah. I guess we don't know whether or not they were actually, like, chased or if anyone hunted them, but Arya keeps them going. We'll talk about it next week. It's pretty hard. Yeah. And I mean, like, I think it's better to be safe than sorry. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah, because if if they're captured... Don't don't take any risks of getting captured. Yeah. Yeah. Because if they are captured, yeah, like, they'll get their skin flayed off or... I I think under this... This leadership mm-hmm. cut cut parts off. Yeah, I guess it just it, it depends mm-hmm. on who they get mm-hmm. given to, right? Whether yeah. it's Kyburn or Vargo, it's anyone's. Or a whole limb, really? Anything could happen to you. <laughs> it's anyone's Game of Thrones. Anyone's Game of Thrones. Uh, well, I'm glad they're out of there. I'm glad that the Harrenhal era is ending. <laughs> I love Harrenhal. Love talking Harry about Stewart. it with you. Yeah, the Arya's tour is moving on. Yes, yes, it actually is. She is on a tour. The Arya is on a tour. Anyways, uh, you can follow next leg of that tour with us by subscribing to our social media. You can find us at Girls Gone Canon. That's C A N O N over on Twitter or on Blue Sky, and you can send us an email at girlsgonecanon at gmail dot com. You can also leave us comments on our Patreon. Yeah. Patreon.com slash girls gone canon. That is where you find us on Patreon. C-A-N-O-N. I highly recommend you join up. Every episode we put out is sponsored by our patrons. Our patrons are everything. Thanks to them. They're also going to tell you where you can find us and listen to us right here. You can catch Girls Gone Canon on any of the following streamers. On Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Acast, Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Audible, and Amazon Podcasts. You can also join us on Patreon, where if you join the Thunder tier above, you have access to a Discord and monthly happy hours and things like that. And by joining the Discord, you get access to a bunch of great channels, including but not limited to memes and shitposting channel, Fashion Hour, There are multiple channels for historic materials, A Song of Ice and Fire. There's a Pets channel, which I think is probably the most important channel of all. Respectful Thirsting, because there's a channel for that. Come by, join the community. It's a lot of fun, and you won't regret it.
Hell of an episode, hell of a time, as always with you, Eliana. I'm glad you're back on the podcast. I'm glad we didn't let cancel culture get you. Thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll be back next week with Aria 1 in A Storm of Swords. I have been one of your hosts, Chloe. And I have been another one of your hosts, Eliana. Thank you, everyone, for letting me back. I'm sorry for the hurt that I have caused (laughs) by not saying, are you ready? But are you ready for the next (sighs) storm? Don't don't ever change, Eliana. My God, please do not ever change. (sighs) Then how will we know that I have reformed injustice? (laughs) How will we know that my fingers have been cut off? We'll be back next week. You'll find out then. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.